All right, welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. My name is Nate, and I'm here with two guests. <laughs> One you met in our last episode, Christine Anderson. Nice to be back. Yes, and then we also have um, another guest, uh, Laura. Yeah, did I say that right? You did, yes. Nice. Okay, as I'm far as I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I <didn't> say that <laughs> um, and uh, w- this, this season is called Out of the Ashes, you know, and we're basically telling stories of our struggles, our issues, our traumas, as Christine shared last episode, and how God brings us through that. It's not messy. I mean, it is messy. It's not, it's not always easy. It's not always clear. It's never really a work that's finished. But at the same time, um, there are just lots of signs that God is doing something. Uh, so, Laura, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> you are going to talk about an issue that is near and not dear to my heart. <laughs> uh, just issues with anxiety in general. And th- f- it sounds like for you, it has been a lifelong s- issue. Yeah. When when do you feel like you first, uh, when, when you look back, where do you, where do you see it starting? I think in high school is when looking back, I can identify Seeing the kind of saplings of anxiety mm. show up, at although at the time I'll say I, I didn't recognize it as, yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, but I remember in high school laying awake for hours um, because I was just going over every single detail about the next day and the mm. things that I had to do. And um, I'm a big list maker, and that's when I remember needing to have a pen and paper by my bedside mm-hmm. because I needed to write lists down. Otherwise, I feel like I'd forget something. Um, just stressing over, like, there's a test tomorrow, and I'd have this meltdown because I did not need to just get an A on the exam. I needed to ace it 100%. So that was actually going to be one of my first questions is if you were a high achiever in high school, which it yes. sounds like you absolutely were. Yes. Yeah. And in my mind, it was it was not that I was doing it for myself. I needed to not disappoint my parents. Oh, man, that's um, even more complicated. But my <laughs> parents were never, they were never ones to push academics. I mean, of course, they want to see, you know, parents want to see their children succeed. and um, But they were the ones always being like, it's okay. It, yeah. you know, take a break. Mm-hmm. And I think because I was always striving to get 100%, be the top student. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just an unhealthy, at that time even, um, struggle with having to have everything put together in yeah. my control. Yeah, and I mean, wha- and just to understand your motivation, mm-hmm. like you're saying essentially you were afraid you were going to be letting other people down. Yes, okay. definitely. My That was my motivation and something that I still really struggle with mm-hmm. to this day, which we'll talk about more. Um, I'm an Enneagram 2, wing 3. Okay, yeah, are you so a 2, wing 3? I'm a 2, wing 3. Oh, oh okay. yeah. <laughs> Good yes. company. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so definitely through my story, you'll probably notice the unhealthy habits of what that sure. looks like mm-hmm. sure. um, throughout my life and, and those motivations. But uh, that was, yeah. I'm going to, I don't always like to bring up the Enneagram, but that was going to be my guess. <laughs> I was going to be like, this sounds like a two, this <laughs> sounds like a two. And I was, go- I was going back and forth between wing one, wing three. Mm. But when you said that it was like letting down other people, I was like, oh, that's a three. A wing one, <laughs> it's, it tends to all be like internal yeah, like mm-hmm. i'm blowing it for myself um so anyways very so high school you're making lists yes at that point it's probably a relatively and this is always the trick about coping mechanisms it probably served you really well yeah uh, you yeah. were like super organized and super <laughs> prepared and a really high achiever right yeah yeah definitely that's, man that's the hard part about where these things start right mm-hmm. is that like it's um in some ways, it's good, and it probably made you feel better. I'm yeah. assuming, like, after you made a list, then mm-hmm. you could sometimes go to sleep, yep, right? exactly. Oh, man, I've so been there. And with, like, you know, being a, an Enneagram, too, I'm sure it's also, you know, when you get those compliments of, like, oh, you're so organized, Laura. Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing so well in school, you know, yeah. like, how do you keep it all together? And then there's that pressure of... It, like, reinforces... you got to keep exactly. it all together. Even yeah. though it's a compliment, it actually reinforces sort of the negative. Like, oh, crap, mm-hmm. I can't let them down. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Are you a compulsive list maker, too, Christine? I, I used to be. You did? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, how... 
what did you te- what did you tend to be most anxious about in high school? Was it academics primarily? Yeah, I'd probably say so. Um, academics was like my f- that was my lane. Mm, yep. um, I had two older brothers, um, and being the youngest, it's like, well, what's what's gonna be my thing? yeah? How Where do I differentiate? I? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was naturally, I would say, um, gifted in academics, mm-hmm. particularly math from early on. So I was like, oh, this is my thing. This is how I'm going to, you know, stand out. And um, I always had gotten good grades, so it just very easily became yeah. this desire to always have perfect grades. Yeah. Yeah. What did your brothers have an er- have areas where they excelled? Did they have their own lanes? Yeah, my my older brother Andrew was very gifted musically. Okay. Um, and so he was much more artistic, and that was that was his field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my oldest brother Kyungjae, he was, I mean, he's just good at everything. <laughs> so he's, kind of <laughs> he's, he's untouchable. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah. In some ways, that yeah. Again like especially the wing three if other people around you are excelling in an area it just man it just makes it that much harder Mm -hmm. to just be like oh let it roll off okay so you're making lists in high school losing sleep Mm -hmm. and getting amazing grades (laughs) (laughs) what what happens then um yeah then i go off to college um and i went in so i went to calvin college for electrical and computer engineering. And I got to college thinking, okay, I'm a great student. Mm. This is, you know, I had taken college classes in high school already. And so I was like, oh, I've got this under the belt. Um, And then I was not the best student. Mm. And that drove me nuts. Okay. (laughs) Um, Because no matter how much I did study and try uh, to really apply myself, I, I was still not getting A's. Um, and so that that was a, r- a really big challenge for me and definitely became something that I stressed about even more and dwelled upon even more, as well as naturally in college going through, you know, I'm now um, navigating just socially, how to have more ownership over <laughs> how I'm spending my time mm-hmm. and who I'm spending my time with. Um, my freshman year, part of Maybe another story is um, I was adopted as a three-month-old from South Korea and grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, not knowing many adopt like adopted kids mm-hmm. or many Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in college, I met some a- Korean Americans, and I was like, oh, wow, Like I can have this great opportunity to learn more about my heritage mm-hmm. and got to fit in with this group in a different way that I never had before. Um, but I also had a friend group that was my, um, I, I would say, like, I distinguish them as my Asian friends and my white friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other girls who grew up in West Michigan um, and had kind of similar backgrounds that I did. Yep. Um, and so I was going through almost an identity crisis my freshman year then of, okay, I'm, I'm the Asian one to my white friends and the white oh ones man. to my, you know, the white mm. one to yeah. my Asian friends. So where do I really fit in um, alongside of now I'm, I'm not the good student. Right. Now <laughs> you're not like the top student. Yeah. So really, man, talk about Who like, a, a p- right. A period of being sort of like totally unmoored from everything that had been your identity up to that mm-hmm. point. I mean, anxiety trigger for sure. Especially yes, yeah. when anxiety is often about control. Right. Um, well, how did how did that manifest itself, or what did you what what did that look like when you were in college? Um, in college, it was just burning myself uh, on both ends. Yeah, it was okay. I've just got to use all my time then to dedicate to perfecting all of these different areas. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just super busy. Um, getting very little sleep. Anyone who lived with me in college knows that I just. Wouldn't get much you just sleep. Did th- yeah. Like that's what went that away. That <laughs> it's <yep>. like <laughs> you're not going to drop either of your friend circles. Exactly. You're not going to drop. Sc- it's like yeah. no sleep. So again, sort of typical of a two, but like self care goes out the window. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then to further perpetuate, I think to understand the more of the motivations for my 
understand how my motivations were formed um, in college, um, later on in my college uh, career, um, had some other uh, difficult seasons. Um, and, and one of the big ones, um, well, kind of hap- two of the big ones happened at the si- around the same time. Um, I had a boyfriend who cheated on me. And within about a month time frame, um, I had received a letter from my bio- from the adoption agency um, in college. I had reached out through my adoption agency to contact my biological mother, and um, had received a letter back saying she'd asked that you not try to mm-hmm. reach out again. Mm-hmm. So those two things being like, wow, it's in my unhealthy mindset. It was a reflection of. Of me not being oh. worthy enough. Mm. Oh. So, again, further perpetuating, I need to please people. Mm. I yeah. need to perform. I need to have everything within my control because if it if I have it under control, then you know I can control the outcome. Mm. And yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's really that's heartbreaking. I mean, both of those are like neither one of those is like a small thing, mm-hmm. especially especially in the midst of you sort of trying to reestablish your identity mm-hmm. and your worth. I mean, it's interesting because mm-hmm. we talked about this last episode with Christine quite a bit, sense of a personal sense of worth. Um, mm-hmm. So what did anxiety look like? How did, it, how did anxiety manifest itself in the midst of all that? Still same? No sleep? List making? Yeah, I would say, again, it was kind of maybe <laughs> in a weird way by God's grace that I just kept plugging along mm. it was just I don't even have time to sit and really wrestle with my own thoughts um so I'm just gonna keep going um and I was like oh it's college everyone gets no sleep in college <laughs> everyone right this is know, normal has these yeah. big <laughs> yeah um yeah so I don't think I really ad- acknowledged or addressed it as being a problem at that point still mm-hmm. um and then I would say the catalyst for when there was that transition between, um, if you could call it manageable. <laughs> right. Whether or not you were managing <laughs> right. is sort yeah. of like, that's Just sort of debatable. It. <laughs> you know, pushing it down, <laughs> right. keeping it in a box. Right. Um, and, and yeah, there would be these, you know, kind of episodes of meltdowns. Yeah. And that was just mm-hmm. normal for me at that point. But um, when it really became like a, I'd say like a debilitating regular problem in my life was um, fast forward a few years. I am now living on the east side of the state and um, I am dating Ian, mm-hmm. uh, my now husband, and he is going through a season of his own um, mental battle with depression. And as a two, having not healthy boundaries of <laughs> of how I help, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially someone who I love very deeply. Yeah. Um, through that season, I was just constantly worried about him and his mental state. Yeah. And at that time, um, kind of the emotional fortitude <laughs> in our relationship, I felt was on my shoulders. Because yeah. um, I was like, okay, you know, when I see him, got to check my, my stresses and feelings mm-hmm. at the door because I need to make sure that he's okay. Um, And that was very unhealthy and kind of that tipping point of, okay, like um, the way that then manifested was when I left and I went home to my apartment and I was alone in a city where, you know, I didn't have that... um, emotional support mm-hmm. or you know my family wasn't there I didn't have friends um that you know from college or or anything um I was still new to the city um so I went home to an empty apartment I guess my cat <laughs> and um just absolutely melted down because mm-hmm. um, everything was out of my control um and I I cry always whenever under any context that I talk about Ian's um, depression in that season because it was just it was the worst um, to, um, yeah, to be on the phone with someone. Um, you know, I'd be at work and be on the phone with him for maybe an hour, 
um, and to hear, you know, that he's having thoughts that, um, you know, what if I just steered my car in yeah. into oncoming traffic or something like that. Yeah. Um, it, so Ian and I were in a discipleship circle for a much, much of that season, and it was, it was hard. I mean, I- like you're not overselling it. Um, he couldn't go to work. Oftentimes he couldn't even get out of bed. Like it was more than just like, like the blues. He was, yeah. he was, he was in deep and we were all really worried and we all loved him, but it's really different when you're, I mean, you at that point were already sort of like imagining the rest of your life with him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and I know that he was, yeah, those thoughts were, um, regular if not constant yeah you know they even i mean either this is his story to share but they were even showing up in his dreams you know and um he just so so and like we said before the podcast started someone's brain is absolutely outside of your control (laughs) so for someone who sort of is trying to control things Mm -hmm. especially by your own efforts and your presence that i i that must have absolutely sent you into a tailspin. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I I know earlier you kind of mentioned this idea of, of like your own view of your worth. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that was affected by by like this season too? Yeah, I definitely felt like his mental state was somehow on my shoulders of this is a failure on my part because I come over and I I can't make him happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? I can make a joke or I can, you know, do something that he's like, oh, that's really nice. But at the end of the day, you know, he's in this dark, dark mental space. Um, And so, yeah, it was definitely Mm -hmm. back to to my worth and my (laughs) success, I guess, or lack thereof, in my opinion. So what did your, if you're comfortable sharing, Mm -hmm. what did your meltdowns look like? What is that? When you say you melted down, what was that? Yes, it was... I'm sorry. Is that no. It was. Phones are ringing. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> sin number one. <laughs> it was ugly. Um, and it was like a, a very physical reaction for me of, um, you know, the tears and the just body shaking. Um, you know, I just sitting on my bathroom floor just rocking back and forth for an hour um and with the feeling of failure Mm -hmm. it it also would for myself go into a a darker place of like i'm a failure Mm -hmm. i'm worthless Mm -hmm. um yeah Mm -hmm. oh wow so was that was that sort of when did you realize like oh I need help with this. Yeah, I think um, probably the, the real wake-up call was when there was a time I went over before, like on my way to work, I'd stop by Ian's apartment to try and help him get up to go to work. And I was like, I don't feel safe. I, d- I don't feel comfortable leaving. Like I, I need to go to work. Um, and I don't feel like he's in a safe place that he should be left alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, fortunately his younger brother was still in school in the same city. So he came over and that I think for him was like, this is how bad it really yeah. is. Um, and for me that was like, oh man, f- again, feeling like it was a failure because I couldn't fix it myself and I needed to rely on others to help me help Ian. Was even that was hard for you? That Definitely. felt like a failure. And and with his brother then getting involved, of course, um, his parents also. At that time, I, I you know, knew his parents, had met his parents, um, but I didn't have a relationship where I was super close with his parents, and so um, definitely the lack of communication there. Um, and they weren't aware of how bad it was either. Yeah. So when his brother got um, more involved with with helping. Um, his mom came out um, for some time and was like, oh, she thinks I like 
done this to her son. Oh I can't take gosh. care of her son. Oh, Laura, um. <laughs> like this window into your into your mental state is so <laughs> heartbreaking. And not again. I just feel so bad for you <laughs> that everything that happened, mm. you interpreted through the lens mm-hmm. of this is happening because I failed. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, like everything, even other people coming in to help, like ends up going through that filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was where I was like, oh wow, like obviously when they did come and um, his mom was staying with him for some time, and so that I was, I did get to have a step back, yeah. and mm-hmm. it was like, wow, <laughs> my life looks so much different when there is more support involved, mm. um, and that was a chance for me to then assess, like, like yeah, this is really unhealthy it's um, like the frog in the boiling kettle a little bit where it's like I- it's not like if you had just jumped into that situation you would have immediately been like whoa 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 yeah. whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing normal or okay about this but those type of situations again for you start even in high school like slowly 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 mm-hmm. growing and suddenly you find yourself in a spot that's just like oh mm-hmm. again i'm speaking from personal experience uh but yeah, okay, so you realize, so didn't mean to interrupt, but no, yeah. you, you realize like, okay, my life is better with support. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? So then I sought out a therapist for myself. Um, part of <laughs> part of, of Ian's journey too. Um, again, this is his story, but like he, you know, was seeing doctors and therapists and all of that stuff, and I was like, oh, yeah, I should probably do that, too, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and um, I did have a couple friends that I would call and talk to on the phone, um, but they lived, you know, in different states, and so, well, it was great for that 30-minute hour phone call. I still hang up, but I'm still home by myself, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, so, yeah, so I sought out a therapist for myself, now, when you see a therapist, one of the first things they ask is like, so what brings you here? You know, kind of like, what was your answer to that question? Like when you sat down with the therapist, like what were you there to hopefully accomplish? Um, I think at that time, I was like, I need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, later on through, I've, I've had a couple different therapists throughout the years now and definitely recommend it. I think everybody needs a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) It feels that way, doesn't it? (laughs) But, um, you know, slowly unraveling, yeah, the the many different layers that have got me to where I am today and the different things in my past, you know. So Mm. the correct answer would have been, like, a lot of things that I was there for. Right. But at the time, it was I need someone to talk to because – I need a space where I can share how I'm feeling yeah. and not feel like it's burdening yeah. someone who is in a fragile mental state yeah. himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And did you find that to be helpful? Even even like that, even just having a space to share? Yes, definitely. I am an external processor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to be able to vocalize how I'm feeling to really understand how I'm feeling myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what... So n- Ian is kind of on his own journey, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to say that he got a, a lot of help and is in a much, much, much better place, which we're all Absolutely, really thankful yeah. for. But so now you are sort of seeing a therapist to talk. What else is happening? How how else are you sort of coming out of your wrestling with anxiety at this point? Well, that time was definitely how I pinpoint maybe the catalyst okay. of my anxiety. Um, it was not, unfortunately, oh, the peak. Oh, the plot thickens. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, this is getting good. Because <laughs> in, the, in the couple <laughs> few years to come um, from that point, um, Ian and I then got engaged and had a wedding to plan. Yeah, I mean that's not stressful. And like <laughs> nobody, nobody who's a high achiever would worry about wedding right. details at all. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I can show you my Excel chart. Of oh <laughs> my kid chart got all the plans, every question what that happens, needed to be answered. What happens when someone in the STEM field plans <laughs> a wedding? Uh-huh. <laughs> Spreadsheets. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, hashtag sponsor me. <laughs> but yeah, I um, I got very overwhelmed by wedding planning. Mm -hmm. And so 
kind of again to go back to your question of what did my anxiety look like mm-hmm. i it would start with a simple thought as like i'm asking ian what you know color flower he wants mm-hmm. and he's like i don't care you know like whatever flowers are fine <laughs> um and i'd be like no you need to make a decision like i want this is your day too i want your input um and that thought of like oh he you know, the way he responded, um, maybe, you know, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have asked that question. Mm. Oh. Um, and then it was, oh, now he's going to be upset with me because I asked that question. Mm. And then from there, it's, oh, because he's mad at me now, he's not going to want to marry me. Mm-hmm. So oh, just like this really <laughs> rapid sort of yes. spiral. The, the snowball effect of yeah. my thoughts from going from, you know, what color flowers what color do you flower want? So you don't want to. Marry. I'm no longer. Yes. <laughs> Getting from point A to Z was it happened? You know, in a matter of minutes, yeah. and it was yeah. all internalized. And so suddenly, I'm bawling to Ian, and very, very apologetic. My kind of gut response is apologizing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. when I'm feeling anxious, and so, um. There are some like physical, I would say, signs that are common to like a an episode for me. Mm. Um, And I will just sit there for as long as you will let me apologizing to you. Really? Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like bawling to you. And (laughs) (laughs) and my thought is because you're going to leave me and Mm. you hate me now. Um, And he's like. Didn't want to pick what flower because <laughs> I want you to pick what flower you want. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of internally what it looked like. Yeah. Mm. And then, oh, go ahead. No, I just it's um, I I've been really upfront about my own issues of anxiety, but like the mental snowball is one that is just like so familiar. Mm. It's like painful to to to. Yeah, that's all. That's that was all. <laughs> that that <laughs> intake of breath was just me being like, oh, jeez, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's so irrational. And like talking that through, you're like, that's so irrational to you know jump from there to there. Yeah. But in those moments, it's the easiest thing. It's and and at the and it, f- I, my experience was I felt impossible to stop it. Like yeah. I like there's no exit ramp between this trigger and me yes. being in like this place yeah. of just absolute. Well, I mean, whatever emotional distress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 And I, I feel like that's one of the hard things with, um, you know, a lot of times in the church anxiety has been equated with lack of faith and it's like, well, but it, it doesn't have to be things that you believe in a moment of like s- stability. Yes. <laughs> right. um, the things that are spiraling in your brain in, in moments of anxiety, mm-hmm. you would never say like, oh, I don't think Ian wants to marry me. Right. In a different moment. Right. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was part of me wrestling with it because I, I had been very fortunate. I grew up in a strong faith-based home and had gone to a Christian college and had a very personal relationship with God from early on. Um, so then in in that context, like you said, um, anxiety being kind of coupled with this idea of lack of trust in God or lack of faith in yeah. God. Um, then wrestling with that of like, God, I, I, I swear I trust <laughs> you. I believe, <laughs> you know. Um, and I, I very much felt like the father was like, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. I, God, I trust you. But in those moments, like all rationality, all, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, there's no off ramp. It was just, um, yeah, just per this s- very sudden escalation of of irrational thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so you weren't you weren't at a place where. Like your anxiety didn't make you, or maybe it did. It's a question: abandon your faith or question your faith. Or what were your, what was your relationship with God like in those moments? I think it, it definitely didn't question my faith. Um, I feel like in in those seasons, it was like, okay, this is, this is the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is going to be a struggle. But at the same time, I think because I had my faith, I had 
this um, knowledge that surpasses understanding in mm-hmm. that I was like, this is not my eternal destiny. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough and it's it's horrible and I, I don't see the end to it right now, but but I see the ultimate end. Um, and And definitely in those moments of like irrational thoughts and meltdowns um i needed people around me to remind me of that yeah. um and that's where like really god is is so <laughs> good to me and um through each of our own battles with mental health um we've always been like wow god has never put us both at our lows at the same time mm-hmm. um and so um yeah when i was going through my worst of my anxiety fortunately at that point ian had stabilized more with his mental health um and so he was there to support and be while i'm you know just rocking back and forth and just in this complete like (laughs) i don't even know how to describe it just you know helpless state in a way um he's there holding me he's there praying over me and reminding me of these truths that he knows i know but like you need to hear them, you know. Yeah. So, um, how wh- how do you h- how where do you how do you go from that to where you are now? Like what? That wasn't that long ago, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we we had our wedding and then we moved out to the suburbs, and Ian switched jobs and we got married and there was all these transitions which. Mm-hmm. Kind of like all at once. Yes, all at once. And I'm not good with the change. <laughs> That's why I, I grew up, went to the same church since through college, went mm. to college in the same city I grew up in. Um, yeah, so all of that happening at once, uh, you know, that was all throughout the journey of struggling with how do I manage my, my anxiety. Um, and um, even sometimes it got as bad as... Um, you know, there was one instance where we had to call an ambulance because mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, it was partially because I, th- I thought I might be having a heart attack. Turns out it was a panic attack. Yeah. And I was hyperventilating, and so, you know, I ended up in the back of an ambulance, and um, that was like my body, like physically, <laughs> like shutting down yeah. on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think. <laughs> It it honestly, looking back, I'm like, how did it? How did we come out of that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's hard to honestly say these three steps were right. It's never that simple. I, yeah, yeah, were what happened. I think you know over time, um, it just hearing those truths um, over time, it kind of moves from head knowledge to heart knowledge, yeah. mm-hmm. and. Um, just having that peace and and obviously the the deepening of my relationship with God, um, and and recognizing yes like He is faithful and He has walked with me every step of the way. He's always met me where I'm at. Um, you know, having that to look back on mm-hmm. um, in those moments, you know, because to this day, I mean, um, it's kind of funny the timing of this. I this week was very stressed. Um, because I had a lot of travel coming up. Mm-hmm. So, of course, my list was very long of <laughs> <laughs> everything I needed to do and had some unexpected things happen with work that made it stressful and just some other things, like trying to sell something on Facebook Marketplace that kind that of... That is stressful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so all these things, and it was one of those moments where, like, it was like, then it hit me. I was like, wow. I think Ian was the one who was me like, Man, you managed your stress mm. and your anxiety about mm. all of this really well this week. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, wow. Looking back a year ago, having these things happen would have immediately set me off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, especially, I think, with work, because coming, coming back to my, like, academic performance and the value I placed in that, that definitely translated to my work performance. Oh, sure. Mm. Um and just feeling very stressed about that. I think a big part of being in a healthier place was actually switching jobs. Mm. Um, and so I'm now at a company that I think has way better work-life balance. And my team and you know my manager 
um, have a way healthier relationship with me and uh, really stress the importance of making sure that I feel valued and appreciated which for me is is really big um so uh, yeah those those have all been like huge blessings that God's put in my life to change the just I think like how my brain connects you know when um when something stressful happens I now have these supports that allow me to not suddenly spiral. Um, yeah. I, I think I think you pointed out something that is so helpful to remember in all of these. I mean, first of all, we've talked about this at, at pretty much every episode, but like growth I- and healing is a journey and mm-hmm. you never, there's, it's not a destination, right? So everything is still in process and that can make it really hard to be like, Am I growing? Like, am I healing? Like, and one of the things that I've noticed is exactly what you said, is that sometimes it's seen most clearly in hindsight, Mm -hmm. where you will say, oh, you know what? A year ago or six months ago, this situation would have made me feel or act like X, Y, Z. Right. And this time I didn't. Mm -hmm. And in in a weird way, like that always gives me hope for the future, which is like, okay, if that can happen in six months, then I can look down the road and say, okay, in the next six months, these things that right now are always triggers for me and always make me freak out. Mm -hmm. Maybe those two will be better. So it's a, it's a really helpful, it's a really helpful observation. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And now that, I mean, I feel like you've done, uh, you, you've made space, right, to actually process the mm-hmm. fact that, like, these were problems. Like, right. these <laughs> were, like, sometimes unhealthy coping yes. mechanisms. Um, and, and how has creating that space, like, helped you maybe use those coping mechanisms more healthily or? Um, I think, goodness, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I feel like. Honestly, the problem was I had going from college where I was just like, my coping mechanism was stay busy, don't Mm -hmm. give myself time to think about it. And then the contrast of moving to a city where I didn't have a social life at first because I had no friends um, and I had all this time to think about it, you know, Um, so that just being like, wow, this is unhealthy and now I have time to wrestle with these emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so now being in the place I am now, uh, recognizing I do need time to myself that I'm, I thought I was an extrovert always. And it turns out I'm an introvert. <laughs> and not to put myself in a box there, but sure. um, I do need time to process things mm-hmm. with someone else, whether that's my spouse or close friends or, you know, um, Anybody really? <laughs> Anybody who will sit down and listen to me? Um, um, so yeah, so kind of saying, okay, like I do need time to myself. I do need time to talk with others, mm-hmm. and just learning. I think learning that about myself, and, and then being intentional with creating that space, like you were saying, yeah, um, in order to do that. Because I know that if I don't, this is what happens. Yeah. 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 I, that was, for me, that was a significant sort of, um, education with my own therapist where she said like, do you ever wake up in the morning and ask yourself like how you're feeling or what you want to do? And I was like, no, who has (laughs) time for that? Like literally it was just like, I am going to get up and I'm going to go. I'm either on or I'm off, you know? Um, and really that intermediate step of like, wait a minute, what am I feeling or what do I want to do? Um, it, that little, like that little crack in the door opens and there are plenty of people and God bless you. I'm thankful that you exist. There are plenty of people who do that naturally, right? Who ask themselves, what do I want to do today? I never asked that question. I had a long list of everything I had to do that day, Mm -hmm. but never asked myself what I wanted to do. Yeah. And just that small interruption for me did open it a tremendous doorway um, to health mm-hmm. because I it just was, again, it was like an off-ramp. Like, I, I don't have to just do all of these things that other people have put on me or expectations I put on myself. Mm-hmm. I can actually just say, what do I want to do? Oh, yeah. yeah, like, let's do that instead, right. you know, and maybe these things are going to be okay if mm-hmm. I don't yeah. get them done. 
Um, so yeah, that little, just that little intermediate step makes a difference. You saying that, like, as again, I'm I'm trying not to like put myself in a box and say, well, I'm a two, so this is how I think. <laughs> like, it can look a lot of different ways, um, but um, yeah, waking up, it, it it's not it's not about what do I want to do. It's okay, what do other people need me yeah. to do? Mm-hmm. What other people? What do the people around me need? Yes. Yeah. And so having having a job where I have a better boundary of okay you know this is where work ends and this is my mm-hmm. personal life mm-hmm. and, and just having a better balance and better relationships with all of that um it's like okay now like what do I want to do with my mm-hmm. my evenings yeah. and um how does how does that time spent and, and finding hobbies that really do um to borrow uh Zach Stamps um I guess the phrase that he he often uses like what spurs my affections mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are the things that really bring me joy and allow me to be like, "Wow, God, thank you for this gift of, you know, this talent or uh, the beauty in nature and being able to be outside in it yeah. and enjoy it." And um, what are some of those things that you found? I really like baking. Okay. Um, and I really love my dogs. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Nothing wrong Um, with that at all. And uh, again, going back to like, I think being like, I, I love having some time to myself, Mm. you know, um, I, I love spending time with friends, but I also really enjoy a night in to myself. Um, and so just spending time with myself or, or just with Ian where it's a quieter night. Yeah. I think, um, he's, he's kind of the opposite in, in all the great ways, but it, it then looks like for him like every night he's got something, oh yeah, something man. planned. And yeah. how do you keep up? Um, <laughs> but having that balance between us and saying, yeah, like he, he might have a, a busy night, but that doesn't mean I have to mm-hmm. go along with, you know, I can stay home and enjoy the quiet house to myself, yeah. you know? Yeah, I've totally, it's funny that you mentioned baking. I do love to cook, but also I found that uh, time to myself often looks like making something without Mm -hmm. sort of agenda besides like just being creative, Mm -hmm. like just sort of like creativity um, is something that I rarely gave myself time for. Mm -hmm. And the more that I do it, the more I see it as like, sometimes when I'm feeling really anxious, I'm like, Nate, you got to go make something like Mm -hmm. you just have to move into a completely different arena of thought for a little while Mm -hmm. um and that was actually one of the coping strategies my therapist gave to me was she said when you recognize that you're anxious Mm -hmm. you sort of address that and then you immediately go do something else that you want to do that completely Mm -hmm. takes your mind off it Mm -hmm. i don't care what it is you can watch a movie you can go for a walk you can exercise you can make something but you have to this is the other thing i want to mention like you have to teach your brain new pathways you know and that actually is something you can practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what would have been a, a one-way street down anxiety, suddenly it's like your brain can learn yeah. these other ways to turn and not sort of live in that hyper state all the time. Which is more challenging to... Yeah, it sounds simple, doesn't it? Because <laughs> I feel like that's also something my therapist would tell me. She's like, when you start noticing that, um, you know, this he- heaviness in your chest yeah. or tightness or or for me like I start like kind of if I'm laying in bed which is often when I feel like I'm most anxious because mm-hmm. I'm laying there reliving the day mm-hmm. all the things I might have done wrong all the things I have to do tomorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll start like rubbing my feet together mm. and I'm like when that starts happening you know when you identify those things then you know train your brain to to do this or you know to think about this or go get up and you know do something else um, and at first I was like I how do you expect me to mm-hmm. um, be able to just suddenly do that, like snap out of it? Mm-hmm. Um, I found that very challenging. And um, like you said, it's it's something you have to train your brain because in those moments, your brain's taking like the path of least resistance, oh, which is to snowball. Yeah. Um, and so I guess to equate it to exercise or, you know, any athletic um, training, you know, it's it's hard at first, but then as you continue to do it, it becomes more natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely a journey that I've had to take of yeah. grinding through and, and even having someone to help me be like, okay, no, like we're going to get up and go do this. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, part of what you're you're touching on is actually the power of habit, which is interesting because habit is not um, is not necessarily us choosing the easiest thing. It's us choosing the most familiar thing, mm-hmm. and there you can we can have habits that absolutely make our lives way more difficult. But because it's a habit, it is sort of like your brain just sort of slides into it yeah. and off you go. Um, and so it's learning a new set of habits that are actually, you know, better for you mm-hmm. um, because your brain will just pick what's easiest. And it's like, it's easy. Whatever it's done a million times before is going to be easiest, even if it makes your life just like flipping miserable, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, like uh, you're talking about establishing the mental habits, which is, yeah, there's, it, it's, cri- it's, you can't do it without it. You can't, you can't navigate anxiety without creating new mental habits. You just can't. So where are you at now? I mean, you said like you had a stressful week and looking back, you're like, wow, I could not have navigated this as healthily as I did a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, throughout the week still definitely have these, um, these moments where I'm like, oh, my chest feels Mm -hmm. tight. I feel like there's physically some, you know, kind of putting pressure on it. Um, but being able to be level-headed enough now to like, okay, I'm just like take some deep breaths, yeah. you know, press the pause button, um, and seek out the different, um, the different things that you know, exercises or um, resources that I have mm-hmm. to get me to a, you know think things through in a more, I- in my case, like a more logical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's not that it's not a problem for me anymore. Yeah. I still am a very, I'm a worrier. <laughs> I am very anxious still. Um, but yeah, the way that I react to it yeah. looks yeah. so different. Um, and so I still make my lists, but then when I cross those things off my list, it's like, okay. I can not think, you know, not dwell on this one task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I can just let let that go now. Yeah. So. I mean, th- the the thing that I also think is worth mentioning is that, like, there are, I got to be careful here. There are parts of the way that a worrier's brain is wired that I think are a gift. Like, it's the ability to s- anticipate outcomes, Uh, positive or negative it's the ability to see all of the details sort of all at once Mm -hmm. you know those are all things that are a part of it and when you're engaging with those healthily it's a tremendous gift in a marriage or as a parent or as an employee or as an employer Mm -hmm. but it's like as long as it's not twisted into this sort of perpetual cycle of self-loathing or failure or or whatever Mm -hmm. um but those very same things can be tremendous, tremendous assets. Mm-hmm. And it's actually probably, again, why you're such a good student, why you were such a good employee, like those same things. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a healthy place, they they can make you feel really different. Yeah. You know, even yeah. though you're kind of doing the same thing, you're still making lists, you're still probably executing at a very high level, you know, um, just not. At the expense of your own soul. (laughs) 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 And now one of the reasons that I was really excited to have you on here is because I've seen how, you know, like how honest you've been about your experience with anxiety with students who have anxiety Mm -hmm. and and your ability to kind of like share your story a little bit with them. Are there other ways that you've seen God kind of work through um, and and like in and through you in this season? Yeah, I... I mean, I think that's one of the beautiful gifts about about any struggle. I think probably for most people and like some of the other stories that you've heard, um, the experience <laughs> suddenly opens this community mm-hmm. that you didn't know really mm-hmm. was there yeah. of, oh, you struggle with that too? I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, whatever your personal battle is, I think immediately gives you this connection with other people that God may put in your life that mm. you cross paths with. And part of that, um, being involved with the, the student ministry here at Grace Church, um, getting to 
be vulnerable and be open about my personal story and and the fact that it, it still is a reality yeah. you know um i'm i'm not gonna say that oh yeah i i don't worry about anything <laughs> anymore with the students you know like it's it is uh, probably a lifelong um battle but to have to be at the benefit of having come out on the other side and being in a healthier place now mm -hmm. to say like look at how faithful god was mm -hmm. um and getting to share that with the students who might feel like they're in the midst of the worst of it now um to be like hey i had people that i could rely on and support mm -hmm. me or even just sit there and let me feel my emotions yeah. not say anything just sit with me in the emotion yeah. Yeah. um and and kind of be a physical reminder of of what god does for us um and in a tangible way and, and try to walk alongside them and encourage them and support them um so for those reasons both ian and i are very open book about mm -hmm. our personal struggles with mm -hmm. mental health because we're like you know if you feel like you're alone in it that's you know that's just such a dark place to be, yeah. and yeah. we don't want anyone that we that we know to to feel like that, um, especially if it's something that we can personally empathize with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, open book. <laughs> That's great. So any any closing thoughts? Any any parts of your story that we didn't share, where you would say, "Look, I wouldn't want to leave our audience without saying this." put you on the spot <laughs> <laughs> um i <laughs> honestly i don't think so i will say like talking about um uh, healing being a process mm -hmm. um i i did definitely also wrestle with with you know i god i believe that you're a god of miracles and, mm -hmm. and could take this away yeah and i've heard stories of people in my life um who have had miraculous physical healings and I don't think mental health is excluded from God's power and, yeah. and I know that he's capable. So when I'm praying, you know, hands and knees and just in this utter state of helplessness and he's not, you know, <laughs> miraculously like, right. oh God, like now I just suddenly feel okay in this moment mm -hmm. um, or I never have to think about this. Um, you know, how does how do I reconcile that with my faith in him and his goodness? Um, but yeah, but to recognize that, yeah, he has, he has been there every step of the way, yeah. right where I'm at and given me tools and, um, and a different, beautiful, powerful story through this multiple year long healing. Mm -hmm. Well, Laura, thanks so much for your transparency. I, I do know, like Christine said, the students have benefited from your and Ian's transparency. Um, and now the rest of us get to as well. Yeah. So thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you, everybody who stuck with us for this uh, episode of Rhythms of Grace. We hope that you will join us next week as we have another special guest and another story of coming out of the ashes by the grace of God. <laughs>